Welcome to Automate, Delegate, Eliminate, where we discuss e-commerce issues and whether our guests today automated, delegated, or eliminated them and why. Your host is Will Christensen, co-founder of Data Automation. And again, welcome to Automate, Delegate, Eliminate. All right. Welcome, everybody, to this episode of Automate, Delegate, Eliminate. It's good to have you here. I'm Will Christensen, your host from Data Automation, and I have Judd Harris on the line with us. Judd is currently the Director of Engineering at Ship Engine, which is a sister company to ShipStation. And we're going to talk a little bit about that and kind of where that comes from. Judd Harris, having led product and platform engineering teams at the intersection of e-commerce, fulfillment, and logistics for more than 20 years, he's the director of engineering at ShipEngine. ShipEngine is a multi-carrier shipping platform that provides best-in-class functionality directly to e-commerce stores. This includes logistics, warehouse providers, systems integrators like data automation, e-commerce application integrators, and new application developers. And just to give everybody who's coming to the podcast some background here, this is essentially the technology that's powering ShipStation. So ShipEngine is the API in the background, and, and very soon... Uh, we're going to see some marrying of some of that technology. And I'm so excited for what that's going to mean for ShipStation users. And I'm really excited to hear a little bit more about that. We won't go too technical and geeky for everybody, but wanted to welcome Judd to the show. Thanks, Will. It's really good to be here. Look forward to chatting. Yeah, it's going to be a good show today. So as we get in, one of the first things I actually, I'd love to hear from you, you know, when people ask you, well, how does ShipStation or ShipEngine, how do they relate? I'd love to hear your answer to that question. And then tell us a little bit about how you made your way to being a part of this team. You bet. Yeah. So like you said earlier, sister company. So Ship Engine grew out of ShipStation. So ShipStation was founded uh, in 2009 as a shipping application sitting on top of eBay, helping people automate the printing of shipping labels and fulfilling their eBay orders. And then it grew from there. So many years down the road, I joined uh, the company in mid-2016, and around that time, the company had been looking to productize the sh a shipping API as a standalone product, and thus uh, ShipEngine was born. So ShipEngine is the underlying platform that uh, ShipStation runs on top of, and it became apparent there was great value in, in productizing that and exposing that directly to the market. So it's both the product for people looking for a shipping API and a logistics API, as well as the uh, underlying uh, platform that all that stuff uh, runs on top of. That's amazing. You know, Thank you for giving us some of the background of how those two companies relate. Tell us how you came to be part of this amazing automation. In my mind, all SaaS companies are literally just a boxed up automation that sits on top of a problem um, that people have. And this, this season's about e-commerce. And so I'm, I'm really excited to talk about the automation that is ShipStation. Tell us a little bit about how you came to be part of, of this amazing organization. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. Yeah, I uh, I was with a company prior to ShipStation called Amplifier, uh, still based here in Austin, still around doing uh, great third-party logistics. So I was there early on, um, first technical hire there and helped build that company out. So I've been in the logistics and fulfillment space, I guess, since around 2000. So after a good uh, decade and a half of helping build out Amplifier, uh, there I was involved in all all roles from uh, IT foundation development, um, you know, driving the truck to UPS as a startup, you know, when when whatever's required, you do it. Um, so I've I've had the benefit of playing multiple roles in the logistics space, along with you know building out the technology platform there. So 
it was a natural extension to um, to join with ShipStation and help continue that trajectory, you know, with more of a software, uh, SaaS software company rather than a services company. How I got into the software industry, actually, in hindsight, was a story of automation. About around 1995, got a job during high school working for an internet service provider. Actually, 94, early days, dial-up modems. I think I think uh, state-of-the-art back then was 14.4 uh, uh, U.S. robotics external modem. I'm dating myself here, but that's all right. So about a year and a half into that job, part of the role was provisioning uh, ISDN modems for our business customers. And that was very exciting, 64 kilo- kilobit uh, connections. And there was a painfully manual process in the uh, support provisioning group of configuring those ISDN modems. There was a text-based interface. It was a, I would call it a text-based GUI, probably, you know, text-based navigate up, down, hit enter, type in some content to a field, save, et cetera. That's Around. going back. Isn't it? Yes. That's going, that is, that is going back. You know, I love, I love talking about those text-based GUIs and, and some of that kind of stuff, because if you really look at software today, you look at, at ShipStation's current UX UI, you look at you know, where things have come, you can see the origins. Like there are some things that just don't make sense. Like with, with the technology that's possible today, there's some things that don't make sense in the UX UI, but it's because it's a stepping stone and that was its origin. Like that's that's where it came from. So I love like being inside an interface and recognizing like, okay, this was around because at the time there really wasn't a way to do a dropdown. <laughs> right. You, you didn't, that wasn't a thing. Um, and so I love, I love going in and just pondering like, okay, why, why do we use search bars the way we use them? Or it's fascinating to, to look at it. So I, I love hearing that you, that you had to deal with a lot of that. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, uh, it's funny to see how many interfaces there's a grid of data or, uh, the timelessness of alternating colored rows to list out pieces of, uh, business transactions. It's still universal, but yeah. So, you know, it, it was uh, one of those moments of there's got to be a better way. Surely there's a way to automate this uh, dumb task. There's too many smart people here doing this repetitive thing. And that's, you know, discovered a scripting language called Expect and was able to, in a couple of days, you know, take a process that took 30, 30 to 45 minutes down to 30 seconds. And that doesn't take too many of those experiences to get the bug for uh, for software. So Judd, I mean, this this entire podcast is about exactly what you just described where you take a process that takes 45 minutes and you cut it down to just a couple of minutes. We're going to take a quick segue. And obviously this isn't talking ship station or ship engine, but I want to talk about that process because I feel like if I can expose people to that, if they haven't yet experienced that bug, maybe we can share it intravenously via the ear, right? Mm. Maybe they can have that come in through their ear and be like, oh my gosh, there's an opportunity here. And we can see where that goes. So I want to I want to take a little a little moment here, and I want to hear. Tell me about this process, and tell me about the discovery. Sure. Well, like I said, you know, it, it begins with an actual pause and taking a step back. If and I think that applies to all of life. If you never question your own focus and priority in a way that gets you out of the moment, you won't ever be able to have those higher level realizations that can be the source of those 10x or, or more gains. And so I think it begins with the pause. And for whatever reason, you know, that occurred and you zoom out and you question. I think it also begins with a certain incredulity of and dissatisfaction, uh, not to put it too, too negatively, but I uh, 
guess to put it positively, just the belief that there must be a better way. So it began there. And then from there you go looking for the tools to solve it. I loved the fact that the scripting language was called expect. It was actually a keyword operator. You know, you told it what to expect in content and then you scripted it to reply with the right resulting actions to navigate the UI and things like that. I love it. I love um, it. But yeah, I, I think that it's the it's the willingness, the openness to expecting there to be a better option out there, and then this being dissatisfied continually until you you do accomplish that that state change of efficiency. So I love the word you used, and I'm totally going to steal it and include it in the framework that I've been, I'm building a framework where someday I think we may write a book on automation and what it takes to pick apart some of these things and include some of the litmus tests that we've found over the several years that we've been looking at hundreds of processes for different businesses. And I love the word you used there. It takes a pause. So you, you have to give yourself room to stop. So if we're, if we're talking... I don't know if you've, have you read the book called The E-Myth yet? Yes, I have, in fact. So one of the things I love about Michael Gerber and, and The E-Myth is he says, we need to stop working in the business and start working on the business. And, and what you just described, that pause, is what you do when you start working on the process instead of in the process. That's what you're doing. You're taking that step back and you're looking at the process. And then I, I loved what you said after that, that idea of like, okay, now I'm dissatisfied. Now I've decided, okay, this thing is no longer acceptable. I reject the current status quo. And I mean, if you think about it, that's really what a lot of these startups are. They paused and in getting things done, he talks it about, he says it's a, an entrepreneurial seizure. Hmm where where you you oh, you kind of wake up and so it's interesting I, I think one of the things that here at data automation and around the world as we as we lead this revolution in terms of taking back the world's creativity and taking it out of manual tasks and putting it back into creativity which creates real value and real wealth what we're doing really is having mini process seizures so to speak where we stop and say there has got to be a better way Absolutely. Happy to dive into these pieces. I, what I love is the intersection of uh, those, the process seizures at the intersection of technology and the physical world. Um, I think this is one of the reasons that uh, Arduino and Raspberry Pi and those types of things are so exciting and 3D printing is, and by the way, this is why I think like fulfillment and physical logistics is a really exciting domain to work in, is you can use software development, technology and systems to dramatically improve the way things move physically and the way people you can you know be a force multiplier to people's work in a physical context and that's a really rewarding experience you you mentioned two things that i think a lot of my listeners may not be super familiar with you mentioned arduino and you mentioned raspberry pis and i'm going to give my rough version of what that is and you tell me if i'm right raspberry pis for those of you who don't know is a microcomputer it's literally the size like a wallet uh, you, you literally can put it in your back pocket. It'd be a little thick if you sat on it. It might not be a good idea, but it's got slots for USB and a couple of other things. And it's literally a miniature computer that can do some amazing things. And, and if you're bored one day and you want to get really sucked in, go check out what Raspberry Pis can do with home automation systems. Actually, for 
Christmas this year, I picked up a Raspberry Pi and started messing around and playing with some of those possibilities. And I just need to find some more time to sit down and really get into it. But yeah, really powerful. And Arduino is a framework or a piece of software that interacts with a lot of home automation or different automation tools that are inside it. Did I, did I get that right, Judd? Yeah, and they, they have some hardware offerings as well. There's some different strengths, both platforms. I can't confess I'm 100% familiar with, but nonetheless, you know, I, I think we've both seen some really cool creative creations from uh, developers become, you know, mechanical engineers and vice versa. You know, it's, again, that intersection, I think, of, of physicality and ethereality. Yep. So a lot of times at Data Automation, that pause that you talked about, where we talk about that, you know, you, that 45 minute process that you become dissatisfied with, and then you pause, like you said, you have that process seizure, you take a step back and you decide, is it time to automate, delegate or eliminate? That's why that's the name of this podcast. It's, it's about doing those three things and, and deciding, okay, what is this? What is a What is a, a new and better world look like for everything that, that comes in there? So that pause allows you to to take that step back and and pick up uh, where you where you need to go and Arduino and Raspberry Pi is just a an amazing amazing piece of taking what's there so so at data automation when we take that pause a lot of times how we make that intersection between the ethereal or the non-material world and software and everything we do it in a flowchart so we use a software called Miro M-I-R-O used to be called Real-Time Board. And I felt like Real-Time Board was a much better name. So if you're the founder of Miro, don't be offended. I just felt like the name before described what you did. And now it's like, oh, it's a four-letter awesome name that everybody can understand. But Miro is a dashboarding or software. Dashboarding is not the right, right term, but software that allows you to really get in and shape your process as you're looking at it. So when you said the intersection of that ethereal or non-material world and the material world, a lot of times what I sell to people when I work on data automation is a flowchart. Mm -hmm. That's what creates something material that we can talk about as we automate that process. Absolutely. Yeah, this brings to mind, you mentioned the process seizure. None of this is uh, new to people who are familiar with the, the Toyota way. And like you said, the e-myth and the goal and all those business parable books about eliminating process waste and continuous improvement, Kaizen and, and uh, I guess Kanban for that matter. There's all kinds of great topics to go explore under those under those headings. It's powerful. And, and I love that the frameworks and the systems that have been put out there, you know, many of which that you mentioned just now allow for, I mean, what, what are we really getting at? Where we're getting at, is it time to delegate, eliminate or automate or automate, delegate, eliminate, you know, is it time to automate, delegate or eliminate? All right. So let's, let's get into that process. You mentioned, obviously looking at, at some of those, those pieces, let's get into the process, talking more about a ship station and um, obviously ship engine is, is deeply tied to that. And a lot of the technology is the same, but I, I want to talk for e-commerce sellers who, who are listening. I want to talk about ship station and what it means for individuals that are using ship station or that aren't using ship station. Tell us about what, what are the processes that, that are coming coming through there that are being automated, delegated, or eliminated using that piece of software? You bet. I think it, a good place to start is our uh, our mission statement, which has been condensed, again, on the same theme of what could we eliminate? Well, the CEO and the executive team worked to eliminate as many words from the mission statement as possible, which had the upside of being incredibly easy to memorize for everybody on the staff. But today, the mission statement is wherever you sell, however you ship, exceptionally efficient. And, you know, those last two words embody the 
the mission really to a T. So ShipStation comes into play when an e-commerce seller has reached that moment, hopefully before, they know about us long before they reach the moment of process seizure of getting their orders out the door in a timely fashion. But ShipStation comes in after a merchant has solved their sales go-to-market, you know, product market fit problem and have enough orders that they got to get to their customers. ShipStation, wherever you sell, ShipStation integrates with pretty much every known selling channel that has uh, the ability to have an API connection to it. So ShipStation imports orders from uh, any place that any merchant could be selling online into one place, into ShipStation. From there, the merchants can centrally manage the entire fulfillment, order fulfillment process. And we can talk about ways that gets automated on, on the however you ship component. We On the back end, of course, ShipStation integrates with just about every shipping carrier that's available to be integrated with. So process of getting the order shipped to the end customer, ShipStation obviously solves that on the delivery side as well. So it's the, the stuff that happens in between the order import and the shipping uh, label generation uh, where we can dive into to a lot of the automation. So, but right out of the gate, simply solving that shipping label generation problem and the order import problem is a huge component of the automation of a, a merchant's fulfillment business. Awesome. So as you look at ShipStation, and a lot of the, the listeners will be familiar with ShipStation, they'll have, they'll have gotten in there. I'd like to pull out a nugget from someone who's been there as long as you have. What would you say is, you know, two or three things that are the least commonly automated things inside inside ShipStation? So as you have looked at different e-commerce sellers accounts, um, and you've been like, oh, wow, did you guys know that it actually does this? Anything coming to mind? And as you think through that, one that popped up for me a lot is um, people don't often realize that you can automatically set the shipping method and the carrier based upon basically any criteria uh, associated with the item. So based on the brand, based on something in the title, based on the store, you can automatically choose the label or choose the carrier and the method. Um, And that's just an automation that's built right into ShipStation's interface. Right. That is a big one. I mean, that's a huge one, right? Because uh, you can you can map the shipping method values coming in from your store or your marketplace to uh, methods. But um, sometimes that's not a simple one-to-one mapping. You know, you, someone might offer, quote, free shipping or, quote, discount shipping. And that might um, result in the choice of different methods downstream. So, like, yeah, like you said, the automation rules is the is the major, I mean, it's right there in the name. Automation rules is an incredibly powerful feature where, uh, you know, it, it meets the merchant where they are today in their workflow which I believe is a major component of ShipStation's growth over the years as you know, there's no shortage of, I say, enterprise. I use that in air quotes. You know, that word can mean a lot of things, positive and negative to many different people. But there's um, all kinds of uh, systems out there that can handle very complicated workflows. They're often highly opinionated as to how the merchants or the business should structure their process. Sometimes that opinionatedness is good and sometimes it's not. But I think the key aspects of ShipStation was it is so flexible and it meets merchants at their current scale and also grows really well with them as they progress along that growth life cycle. And automation rules is one of those areas where as a merchant uh, grows, you know, that desire to handle more throughput with the same number of staff, you know, that becomes much more of a pressing concern. And that's where automation, uh, you know, pays huge dividends. So if we go back there, automate, delegate, eliminate, right? Like 
the whole idea is you scale a business as you scale a process is you have got to make that decision as to whether or not you're going to either automate, delegate, or eliminate that task. And there's no way to scale otherwise. There's no way to grow. I mean, it's a finite capacity, right? We've only got so many hours in the day. And so you have to choose what that looks like, whether I'm going to pick apart those pieces and push it where it needs to go. That That's really what it boils down to. And you mentioned, you know, you want to scale up and fulfill more with the same number of people. Well, that sounds like automation. If it's, I need to fulfill more, but I don't have the automation in place, well, that sounds like delegation. If you want to fulfill more of one product, but not another, that sounds like elimination. You said something earlier that actually made me smile. You said, you know, sellers often put on their website free shipping. And it, it's funny because before I got into the automation business and started working with a lot of uh, sellers, I didn't fully understand what free shipping really meant. It, to me, I was a consumer. I thought it really was free. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously, you know, those those individuals who are actually carrying that package to the door still need to be paid. And so it's not technically free. Can you tell me a little bit more about, you know, if a, if a seller's wanting to offer free shipping, what does that mean? What are some ways they can utilize Ship Engine or ShipStation to make that more economical for them? Absolutely. Yeah, right. Nothing's ever free, especially shipping, because, uh, yeah, like you said, that stuff does not get delivered for free. Yeah, of course, free shipping means it's subsidized in the product price or, you know, the merchants simply uh, rolling that into their regular cost of doing business instead of a cost plus type of model of pass through to the end customer. And I think as we've all grown to expect, uh, we, we don't want to think about how much something's going to cost for shipping during the checkout process in today's uh, e-commerce uh, landscape. So some tools available and uh, also excited that there's uh, some additional functionality coming very soon and all of our products that will dramatically improve this type of offering compared to today. But today, yeah, when you when you, ShipStation gives the merchant the ability to map that phrase, you know, free shipping to any number of uh, shipping methods from any carrier supported by the system. It can also map, like you said earlier, to a set of automation rules uh, that will result in uh, the choice of you know the best, most appropriate shipping method and best and most appropriate, of course, are relative to the merchant's goals. Um, sometimes free shipping means uh, there's no uh, delivery time guarantee. So, you know, we'll ship it at the most cost-effective method. Sometimes it is bounded by some kind of service level, of course, which would choose the, which would impact which uh, methods are part of that. So yeah, on the ship station side, there's there's lots of ways to solve that via uh, service mappings, automation rules, and um, and such. On the ship engine side, you know, I think we, we mentioned Raspberry Pi and Arduino, and ship engine feels like the type of product that a Raspberry Pi and Arduino types would be interested in. You know, these are, these are the DIY type of businesses who have built their own platform or their own uh, custom application, or maybe that are a legacy system that they uh, they need to do a custom add-on to. Well, Ship Engine is a great fit for people who who know better than to go build all out all those uh, shipping carrier integrations themselves. You know, of course, many of these shipping carriers have their own APIs, but uh, why would you want to go build in number of those when that problem is an already solved problem? So. 
that's where Ship Engine comes in. You do one integration with Ship Engine, and then you get access to any of uh, the shipping carriers through one common uh, interface, uh, API interface. And uh, inside a Ship Engine, of course, you can you can get back the rates from multiple shipping carriers, and then apply whatever rules, whatever custom logic. You basically write your own automation rules using your own uh, software stack to to translate you know that free shipping into whatever out, outcome you want. Uh, yep. No, I, I think ShipEngine is a powerful tool. And I've had many people come to me and ask me questions and Ship ShipEngine is definitely the solution. For those of you who aren't uh, totally aware, uh, you literally could, you know, build your own fulfillment management platform um, all through Zapier. Uh, you could make it so that, you know, that order comes in off of like, let's say like a Google form and you'd, you'd want to do invoicing at this point, right? Because Google forms, you're not going to take credit card information through there. But but um, you could take that information in, have the individual put in the dimensions, you know, ship to, ship from, all of that kind of stuff. And you literally, using Zapier and about 30 minutes, you could set it up so a label, a, a valid shipping label, spits out of a printer using, so, so, so if anybody's wanting to do this, this is how you would do it. You got your Google form or your type form or whatever else it is. People fill it out. They hit submit. And then you would, that would be a trigger inside Zapier. Then it gets into a couple of different ways you could do this. I would hook it up, probably I would hook it up to a spreadsheet so that I could do my own custom calculations or whatever I wanted to that way. And then off of that spreadsheet, I would have another Zap that would trigger when that Zap got filled out and it would pull in the information then and hit Ship Engines API. You can do that using a custom code step or you could do that via uh, the webhook step. Uh, Ship Engine doesn't have a Zap native Zapier integration yet. Judd and I are going to talk about that after the podcast. He's going to uh, pay data automation to build it one. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. But, <laughs> but, but then, uh, you know, using, using those pieces, you could literally get a, a link to a PDF URL and you can pass that PDF URL to Google Cloud Print, which is completely free, by the way, included in Zapier's tech stack and poof, label just printed out. So I don't care what business you are, where you are. I mean, especially in this day and age right now, you know, we're recording this, you know, for those of you who are listening, you're gonna be like, wow, it took a long time to get that out. Well, this is the 24th of April, 2020. And for anybody who lived through this, this is COVID-19. And so we're still in the middle of lockdown. And so businesses are looking frantically to how to, how to ship, how to go online, so to speak. So just an amazing tool in terms of, of giving you the ability to create that label just like that. So an automated way, take it back, forget all of the everything we've just talked about, have your process seizure and think without lifting a finger, when my customer fills out a form, I can make it so that UPS or USPS schedules a time to come pick up whatever it was at their door, or they schedule a time to come pick up whatever it is at my door and go out there. So without without actually making any phone calls, without making any logging into any websites, without even lifting a finger, I can set up a system where customer B fills out form and automatically triggers said individual to come to my house, pick up whatever it is and send out whatever it is. So yep. It's huge. And as you were describing that process, you know, back to, again, some of the most rewarding intersections of software and, you know, the physical world is, yeah, when you hit enter and you see and hear, you know, there's this, there's a particularly satisfying sound of a thermal label printer imprinting a four by six label, you know, kind of a Pavlovian dopamine hit there but yeah when you hit enter on that spreadsheet and then within less than a second you know if you have a very fast you know 10 inches per second label printer 
yeah, it makes this just great sound and to see the label shoot out. Uh, it's just really satisfying. And then if you add a you know barcode scanning on top of that, you get that rewarding beep. So I love the workflows where it's a single scan and then in less than a second, a label shoots out a printer. That's, yep. that's greatness. So for those of you, we're, we're going to be doing another podcast here soon with Gravity Forms. And we may have to, when we order these episodes, when we put them out, I think we're going to do the Gravity Forms episode first. Uh, we haven't had it yet. So for those of you who are listening, you're probably like, huh? Um, look for the Gravity Forms episode because Gravity Forms has the ability to create a form embedded on a WordPress website. And that form could take in easily, could take in you know input, output, as far as origin and destination address. And it's got a payment integration in it. It's basic, basic, basic e-commerce. And so, you know, then connecting that to this is a no-brainer so that that shipping can just happen and and roll through that and, and make it all where it needs to go. And I totally love what you said about the Pavlovian beep and the sound of that label printer going off. I mean, if it really does mean that you just made $2 every time you scan that, it's like, oh, I just love scanning that barcode. That's right. Wow. Powerful, powerful stuff. That reminds me of another feature we can we can talk about if you'd like uh, in ShipStation that's related to that workflow. Do it, love it. Yeah, there's had the joy of being involved in this a couple of years ago with the the v, v1 of it. But there's a scan to print workflow, and it's right there in the name. It's a very efficient workflow for sellers who uh, want to scan a packing slip to generate a label during their workflow. Sometimes, you know, many sellers will print the packing slip and the shipping label at the same time. But depending on their physical workflow, that may or may not be the best fit. Sometimes it's better to print the packing slip, go collect the products, you know, pick it, and then at the shipping line, scan the packing slip barcode to get the label. And there's also a scale weighing component to that feature where, you know, basically you, you, you put the, the box with all the, the goods in it on the scale and you scan one barcode, it reads from the scale and uh, prints the label all in one flow. But yeah, that, that's uh, that's where you get that rewarding uh, scan beep label effect. And there's actually more, uh, there's been another revision to that since. So that's another uh, great efficiency gain for sellers. I love that. I love that. Scan to print and, and scan to verify is where you can scan the items in the box and make sure that it actually got the right stuff. Is that feature out yet? I know you guys have been working on it. Uh, I believe it is. Uh, Powerful stuff. So instead of you having to go back and look at that packing slip and see, did I get the right crap in there? You just scan the UPCs on those on those products, scan the order, and it says, bleep, you, you've got it all in there. And if that isn't, you know, if you're listening to this podcast and that's not a feature yet, I know it's on the roadmap. It's coming. It is. It is officially released. I just confirmed. Yep. Sweet. Thank you for officially confirming that. Yeah, scan to verify has been something that a lot of people have been talking about for a while. We've only got a few minutes here, and I want to ask you a question that I like to ask on on all of my podcasts what if you were to pick out a piece of software judd that you personally use that's helped you with automate delegate eliminate ade as you automate delegate or eliminate what's a piece of software that you would recommend for our listeners to check out that you use on a on a daily or weekly or monthly basis mm, any kanban tool any Kanban tool, okay? Yeah, I, I would say it's less the tool and more the thought of single piece flow, focus on one thing, limit your work and process. And again, anybody who was who, who triggered positive off of your uh, e-myth reference or the goal, you know, this is, this is just a continuation of that. But the idea of focus and prioritization. Okay, but to answer your question, I'll, I'll finally bring it back to software. But I would say 
one of the best open-ended tools to facilitate that would be, of course, Trello. What are some other favorites of yours or tools you've used around Kanban or, or Kanban that you've seen? Any any others that you've tried that you're like, oh yeah, this one does it pretty well too. I know Jira, if you're, if you're a developer, Jira is a great one to look into. Yeah, we use Jira heavily. You know, Jira is one of those tools that many people love to hate and then you try to find something better and you realize you had it great all along. <laughs> it's better to better to hone your skills on the on the ever present Jira in my opinion. Yep, another one that I'll throw out there for Kanban lovers and it's funny because everybody's kind of figured out that like people like bullet pointing lists or Kanban or spreadsheets. And so that like all of the task platforms that I've come across recently, they've been like, oh, well then I'm going to include all of those. But if you're if you're a software junkie like me, I'm going to spit off a couple of names that you should go Google. ClickUp is a new software that I've just recently been playing around with. And it seems to have all of those features in it, plus like Slack and a whole bunch of others built on top. We'll see. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to go look and see, is there any, could you really put that many softwares into one software? Another one that I've played with, Asana now has a Kanban view uh, as well. And so does Airtable. I love, love, love Airtable. And it, it's a relational database, almost like a Google spreadsheet but totally free open access API. And it's got a Kanban view as well as a grid view, as well as a like a gallery view. Like it's basically like, here, put your data in here and we'll just show it to you in a bunch of different ways. So some other really cool tools there. Yeah, I, I think since uh, maybe trite, but the most basic text editor, I don't want to start a religious war over people's favorite text editors, but insert name of your favorite, most boring text editor here. And I find that is an incredibly powerful tool for focus. You, you won't you won't get lost in, you know, dragging and dropping boxes or, or cards or diagrams or things like that, but getting proficient with getting your thoughts down in the most minimal uh, bulleted way possible uh, is is really powerful. I love that. Any any minimalistic methodologies that you'd recommend uh, for that sort of thing? Well, I can only speak for myself, but I, I'm one of those people whose research papers always took five times longer because I would edit as I wrote them instead of, and I've, I finally learned to, to brain dump and then go back and edit later. So, you know, I, I, my methodology would be to get it all out and then let the form emerge and go back and find the groupings, find the themes, and then work on hierarchies. And, it, you know, you had another a question on the outline about, I don't know if you want to get into it, but the uh, what piece of wisdom for entrepreneurs or advice? Took the words right out of my mouth. That's where we were going. And I was going to say, that almost sounds like it right there. The wisdom or advice that you could give to other entrepreneurs. Go for it. I think balancing the product market fit with good architecture is probably the most important struggle, one of the most important struggles any entrepreneur should have. And there's no right answer. And when I say architecture, I mean both technical, but also thinking the architecture of thought around your problem space and unpacking that a bit. Of course, you've got this kind of classic software architecture problems, and there's no shortage of books and blogs and, you know, clickbait, polar opposite opinions you can go read about that. So I won't bother with that part. But I think under the technical architecture or just the thought architecture, getting the naming of your concepts pretty well structured, pretty well named is, in my opinion, one of the most important things you can do. Because as your organization grows, those words that people used early on will be the same words that are used five years later. And words form the mental models for everyone in the organization and how those people take and build on those concepts and run and you know go execute on their own initiatives. And if your words are lacking and, and their descriptiveness or precision 
you may find that a couple of years down the road, you're trying to walk back some things that are now very expensive to walk back. It would have been a lot easier to invest maybe an hour or two and choosing a better word two years prior. And I've, I've, I love being with organizations for many years because you get to see how those decisions play out. And I, you know, like I said, there's only two hard problems in computer science, naming things and cache invalidation and off by one errors. But uh, I, I still come back to it. Naming is probably the biggest thing. And I, and I, I see this crop up in all kinds of uh, areas of life. So that's my soapbox about naming. But none of that matters if no one wants your product. So step one, have a product somebody wants, and then you know make sure to pay people to think about naming just the right amount, not too much, just the right amount. I love it. I love, love, love. We could spend an entire episode talking about naming things, I think. Well, lastly here, anything you'd like to to promote to any of your the, the users or you know, looking, looking to hire anybody new or, or anything you'd like to get out there to the audience? Absolutely. Um, well, obviously, we would love as many awesome merchants to check out our, our full offering of, of software to transform the efficiency of anybody trying to solve for getting the orders to their customers. ShipStation and ShipEngine are both great fits across that, uh, that spectrum. And yes, we are hiring only people who care about good names. Um, but uh, no, we're hi- we're hiring all across the organization. We would love uh, yeah, this, this e-commerce is booming uh, in general, but you know also during this time where so many people are turning online for so many more things. Uh, so we're we're thankful to be uh, helping facilitate a lot of those activities that have picked up a lot lately. So yeah, we're we're actively looking for great new engineers, product managers, designers all across the board. So check out our website and uh, we'd love to talk. Awesome. And uh, what are those websites? Yeah, we got uh, shipstation.com and shipengine.com. Love it. Well, I appreciate you being on the show and that's it today for our episode of Automate, Delegate, Eliminate. You've been listening to Automate, Delegate, Eliminate, hosted by Paul Christensen.